إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so carrying on from where we left off last week the statement of the author so if you now know then that this affair that the mushrikun in our time refer to as al-i'tiqad then that itself is exactly the shirk that the Qur'an was revealed regarding this i'tiqad or at-tawassul as they claim it, as they call it, calling upon the dead, going to the graves and the deceased, seeking intercession and the likes. They refer to it or they used to refer to it at the time as al-i'tiqad or at-tawassul those acts of theirs were exactly the shirk that the Qur'an was revealed regarding. Meaning the shirk that the Quraysh were upon in those days, then that is exactly the shirk that these mushrikun are upon these days. The shaykh says, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الشِّرْكَ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَقَاتَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ سَلَّمَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهِ and that shirk, what we discussed last week in detail, that shirk is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ fought the people, the mushrikun, upon. فَعَلَمْ Then you should also now know, أَنَّ شِرْكَ الْأَوَّلِينَ أَخَفُّ مِنْ شِرْكِ أَهْلِ زَمَانِنَا بِأَمْرَيْنَ that the shirk of those earlier ones was lesser in degree, was lighter than the shirk of the people of our time by two affairs, in two regards, from two perspectives. Ahadihima, one of those two perspectives that shows that the shirk of the people these days is greater and more severe than the shirk of the people in those days. One of them is Firstly, that the 
early mushrikun of that time, they did not used to commit shirk, nor did they used to call upon the angels or the awliya or the other deities they had alongside Allah. They did not used to commit shirk with them or call upon them except in times of ease. Illa firraha except in times of comfort and ease. Wa and as for times of difficulty and distress, then they used to be sincere in the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the author says, Asharih, وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ هَذَا حَالُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ الْأَوَّلِينَ This was the state of those early mushrikeen, that they only used to commit their shirk in times of distress and difficulty, or in times of ease. In times of ease, that they only used to commit their shirk in times of ease. But as for times of difficulty and distress, then they would call upon Allah sincerely. لِأَنَّهُمْ Why? لِأَنَّهُمْ أَصَحُّ عُقُولًا وَأَفْهَمُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ Because they, those early mushrikun, they were more sound in their intellect. They had a little bit more upstairs in the intellect when it came to these affairs. When it came to these matters, they were more intellectual and had a greater understanding than the mushrikun of our time. How so? Because they knew, they understood and they comprehended, they had enough intelligence and intellect to know that no one can save you in those times of distress and calamity except Allah. They knew those mushrikun of the early times in times of distress and calamity facing death, nobody can rescue you and save you from those types of situations except Allah. They recognized and comprehended that. So in those times of distress and calamity, they would be sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلِهَذَا لَمَّا سَأَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ حُسَيْنًا And that's why when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم asked Hussein كَمْ إِلَاهًا تَعْبُدُ How many gods do you worship? قَالَ سَبَعَةً He said seven سِتَّةً فِي الْأَرْضِ Six 
on the earth وَوَاحِدٌ فِي السَّمَاءِ and one in the heavens, above the heavens. قَالَ فَمَنِ الَّذِي تَعُدْ لِرَغْبَتِكَ وَرَهْبَتِكَ He said, so which one do you return back to for your, your need, your, your desire and what you require and from what you fear? Who do you return back to in those times of need? قَالَ الَّذِي فِي السَّمَاءِ he said, the one that is above the heavens. So they knew that in times of distress, their other deities can do nothing. In times of distress and extreme situations and calamity, they knew they had to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that only He was capable, only He was able to save them and not their deities and their false gods. Kama qala ta'ala, just as Allah said, وَإِذَا مَسَّكُمُ الظُّرُّ فِي الْبَحْرِ ظَلَّ مَنْ تَدْعُونَ إِلَّا إِيَّهِ That when the calamity or the distress strikes you upon the sea, then all the others, they are gone. You only call upon Him. You only call upon Him, upon Allah, and all the others disappear then at that time. All those others that you normally call upon, they disappear. They are no longer able to do anything for you. And so when that calamity strikes you and you're upon the sea, then it is only He, Allah, that you call upon, فَلَمَّا نَجَّاكُمْ إِلَى أَعْرَضْتُمْ And then when He saves you and brings you back to land, then you shun away. When He saves you and brings you back to land, to safety, and you're no longer, no longer in that state of distress and calamity and extreme situation, he brings you back to land and now you are in safety. أعرضتم. Then you shun away again. You turn your backs again. عن إفراده بالعبادة واللجأ إليه. You then turn away and shun away again from worshipping him alone and seeking recourse in him alone. You turn away from that once again. وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ كَفُورًا And indeed mankind is ever disbelieving. Similarly, the Sharih in the explanation, he mentions, or in fact, moving on from the actual text first, كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَإِذَا مَسَّكُمُ الظُّرُّ فِي الْبَحْرِ ظَلَّ مَنْ تَدْعُونَ إِلَّا إِيَّهِ فَلَمَّا نَجَّاكُمْ إِلَى الْبَرِّ أَعْرَضْتُمْ وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ كَفُورًا وَقَالَ تَعَالَى قُلْ أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ إِنْ أَتَاكُمْ عَذَابُ اللَّهِ أَوْ أَتَتْكُمُ السَّاعَةِ أَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ تَدْعُونَ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ بَلْ إِيَّاهُ تَدْعُونَ فَيَكْشِفُ مَا تَدْعُونَ إِلَيْهِ إن شاء وتنسون ما تشركون 
وقال وقال تعالى وإذا مس الإنسان ضر دعا ربه منيبا إليه إلى قوله قل تمتع بكفرك قليلا إنك من أصحاب النار وقوله تعالى وإذا غشيهم موج كالظلل دعوا الله مخلصين له الدين all of those ayat that the author mentions they are all in reference to the same meaning that when the times of difficulty arose when those times of distress arose or were mentioned to them then they answered and they knew that it was only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they would call upon when that difficulty comes and that punishment comes, Would you call upon anyone else besides Allah if you are truthful? Rather it is He that you call upon then. And the other ayat mentioning the same, And when that distress or that calamity, that harm, touches a person, it comes upon a person, then he calls upon his Lord returning back to him sincerely, returning back to him fully and wholeheartedly, knowing that only Allah can save him. And also, when Allah mentioned the meaning of which is, when the waves, they overcome them, then they call upon Allah sincerely. دعوا الله مخلصين له الدين هذه الآيات ونظائرها دالة على أنهم في الرخاء يشركون وفي الشدة يخلصون في الشدة لا يدعون إلا الله وحده لا شريك له So these ayat and those that are similar to them they all indicate that the mushrikun of that time, Quraysh and their likes, they did not used to commit shirk except in times of ease. As for their times of distress and difficulty, then they would be sincere in calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the explanation says, وَأَمَّا فِي زَمَانِنَا فَشِرْكُهُمْ فِي الْحَالَتَيْنِ جَمِيعًا As for our time now, then their shirk is in both circumstances, in both situations. بَلْ And in fact, in fact, إِذَا كَانُوا فِي الشِدَّةِ نَسُوا اللَّهَ بِالْكُلِّيَّةِ That if they are in distress, they actually completely forget Allah and they only resort to their others that they are calling upon then they only return back to those others they are calling upon so, 
هذا يقول يا متبولي يا عيدروس يا بدوي يا عبد القادر يا علي يا حسين يا فلان أين شرك هؤلاء من شرك الأولين بين الشركين فرق بعيد بل مشركو زماننا زادوا في شركهم بفنون زادوها وضروب جددوها So these days it's not just even a case of saying that the mushrikun they commit shirk at times of ease and at times of difficulty it is even more than that at times of difficulty it's as though they absolutely and completely forget Allah and they completely only return back and remember their other deities and their false gods and so you hear them calling upon all of these different names Ya Hussein, Ya Ali, Ya this one, Ya that one, calling upon others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so those mushrikeen now, they have increased upon the shirk of what existed before them, and they have invented new methods and new forms of the shirk that they are now upon in comparison to what the early ones were upon. At this point in the book, there is a section missing from all of these copies. But I don't have my other manuscript copy. So inshallah, perhaps next week, if I'm able to find it, I'll bring that one. But in this section of the book now, right there, there is a section missing from the majority of these texts. But inshallah, in that red copy, the Qahtani copy of the Tahqiq, then it should be in that section. So inshallah, if we find it next week, we'll come back and add that section which is missing from all of these prints. For now then, we have to continue here. فَمَنْ فَهِمَ هَذِهِ الْمَسْأَلَةَ أَلَّتِي وَضَّحَهَا اللَّهُ فِي كِتَابِهِ So then the Shaykh says, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah ta'ala, so whomsoever understands this issue, التي وضحها الله في كتابه, this issue that Allah has clarified in His book, whomsoever then understands this issue that Allah has clarified in His book, وهيّ and this issue is أن المشركين الذين قاتلهم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يدعون الله تعالى ويدعون غيره في الرخاء وأما في الضر والشدة فلا يدعون إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وينسون ساداتهم أو ساداتهم تبين له الفرق بين شرك أهل زماننا وشرك الأولين so whomsoever understands this issue now, which Allah has clarified in his book, and that is that the mushrikun whom the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam fought against, they used to call upon Allah. They did used to call upon Allah. But then they also used to call upon their other deities in times of comfort and ease but as for in times of difficulty and distress 
then they would only call upon Allah He alone without any partners. And they would forget all of their others, those whom they looked up to and they called upon and sought intercession from. They would forget all of those in times of distress and difficulty and extreme need. And they would be sincere to Allah. So then, if you understand that, it becomes clear to you the difference between the shirk of the people today and the shirk of those early individuals. We've mentioned before in Al-Qawa'id Al-Arba' it is mentioned there that even though we are speaking about the different types or levels or degrees of shirk, that is not to be misunderstood. We are not saying that there are any mushrikun who are better and superior because ultimately all of them are mushrikun. So this is just different levels of shirk, but they are all committing shirk. Nobody should understand as though to say that the early mushrikun were somehow good. They were all upon shirk. Those early mushrikun declared as kuffar, declared as disbelievers, declared as mushrikun. But it's just that the shirk of the people today is even more developed and outstretched in a way that the earlier ones didn't even used to do. But all of them in their different ways and degrees were committing shirk. So then the Shaykh says, in the explanation, the explanation says of a Shaykh, Ali Shaykh, wa innama dhallu, and this is important, wa innama dhallu bitarkihimul Qur'an wa li'aradi anhu. That the mushrikun of our time, how is it that they have become so severe and ended up doing things that even the earlier mushrikun did not used to do? Because of their abandonment of the Quran, their abandonment of the Quran, they abandoned the guidance that came in the Quran. And what do we read right at the beginning of the Mus'haf? Alif, Lam, Mim, Thalika, Al-Kitabu, La, Rayba, Fih, Hudan, Lil-Muttaqeen. That the book which has no doubt in it, it is a guidance for the Hudan Lil-Muttaqeen. A guidance for the people of Taqwa. So is the Qur'an not a guidance for the mushrikun and the people who are not muttaqeen is it only a guidance for the people of taqwa what about the people who do not have taqwa so how do we explain that it says in the quran hudan lil muttaqeen how does it explain it this ayah says only for the muttaqeen so maybe this ayah specifying the other one. Put the mask back on, huh? <laughs> Anybody else? 
is it that um, it's only for the people that want the guidance to fear Allah, not those that have become blinded? Sort of. That's very close. Very close. Anybody else? That's it. So, it is a guidance for the muttaqeen. Of course, we know from the other ayat as well and the other aspects of the religion clearly that all of this guidance and revelation, this Quran, this Sunnah is for al-ins wal-jinn, for all of mankind and for the jinn, for everyone. It is a guidance for all. But the meaning of it being a guidance for the people of taqwa is that even though it is a guidance for all, who are the ones who benefit from it and take from it and practice it? The people of taqwa. Hence the meaning of the ayah that it's a guidance for the people of taqwa, meaning the people of taqwa are the ones who take it. They are the ones who practice it and they are the ones who benefit from it. As for the ones who have no taqwa, then they have turned away from it, and they have turned away from its guidance, and what it benefits you. So, the reason for this increase and this diversification in the shirk that they are upon, one of them, one of the reasons is the abandonment of the Qur'an. And that's a general thing to ponder over. It's a generality to ponder over. The abandonment of the Qur'an, abandoning the Qur'an, a person should consider his state, consider his state with the Qur'an, and his level of recitation of the Qur'an, or memorization of the Qur'an, pondering over the Qur'an. And when was the last time it occurred? A Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said a believer should be with the Qur'an every day. There should not be a single day that you do not pick up the Qur'an for some time period. And he used to mention half an hour, at least with all of your schedules and lives and what you're doing, half an hour with the Qur'an every day. Sheikh bin Baz, at least half an hour with the Qur'an every day that you read, you ponder over the speech of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of the greatest reasons for their misguidance is that they abandoned the Qur'an and they shunned away from the guidance within it and from thinking about it, pondering over it, understanding it. They abandoned all of that. And when a person abandons that, then certainly the pathways to shirk are opened up for him. Because the Qur'an, as Ibn al-Qayyim said, all of it is Tawheed. Every single ayah of the Qur'an has an element of Tawheed within it. Every single ayah, every single ayah in the Qur'an has an element of Tawheed in it. Something in that ayah will indicate and allude to the Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala somehow, to the paradise, to the hellfire, to the rulings. Everything is connected and related back to Tawheed. So the abandonment of the Qur'an, then they have abandoned the understanding of Tawheed. Then the Shaykh says, وَلَكِنْ أَيْنَ مَنْ يَفْهَمُ قَلْبُهُ 
هذه المسألة فهما جيدا راسخا والله المستعان but where are or where is the one whose heart understands this issue with a good firm grounded understanding والله المستعان and it is Allah's aid and assistance we seek he is the one who will aid and assist in this affair where are those whose hearts understand this with a grounded and firm understanding لكن اين من يفهم قلبه هذه المساله فهما جيدا راسخا لينجو من الجهل ولا يظن ان المراد انهم قوم كانوا فبانوا وفي الحقيقة إن كانوا وبانوا فقد أعقبوا من هو شر منهم بكثير So a person he needs to have that understanding in order to be able to save himself to be saved from ignorance to be saved from ignorance because that is not something that disappears even if a group of people are, are upon it and they go others they come upon that same way and that evil persists so that's the first thing to understand that they the early mushrikun only used to commit shirk in times of ease but in difficulty and distress they knew only Allah can save them and they would be sincere but the mushrikun of the later times commit their shirk in all circumstances, even in times of difficulty and distress. The second point to note, الأمر الثاني أن الأولين يدعون مع الله أناسا مقربين عند الله إما أنبياء وإما أولياء وإما ملائكة أو يدعون أحجارا أو أشجارا مطيعة لله وليست عاصية وأهل زماننا يدعون مع الله أناسا من أفسق الناس والذين يدعونهم هم الذين يحكون عنهم الفجور من الزنا والسرقة وترك الصلاة وغير ذلك والذي يعتقد في الصالح أو الذي لا يعصي مثل الخشب والحجر أهون ممن يعتقد في من يشاهد فسقه وفساده ويشهد به The second point to note and again remember all of them are mushrikun but this is just highlighting the different types of shirk it's all shirk the second point to note is that the early mushrikun, those early mushrikun, they used to call upon others alongside Allah, but they, they would call upon others who were actually individuals that were righteous. And they were individuals that would be expected to be close to Allah, righteous people, prophets, awliya, actually and in reality, the righteous, pious people. Those are the ones they used to go to. 
When you read into the Quraysh and their idols, many of their idols were, when they were alive, people who were righteous. When we look at the story of how shirk began at the time of Nuh salam, the idols that eventually came about were originally from the righteous people who died, those righteous and pious individuals who died. When you refer to Allah, then that upon the tafsir of Allah, was a righteous man who used to help the hujjaj. So often you see from them that their gods or deities or what they were calling upon were originally righteous people when they were alive. They were awliya or they were calling upon prophets or they were calling upon angels. They were calling upon righteous. Then you may say though, but they were also calling upon stones and trees. But the Shaykh says, stones and trees <coughs> are also considered as righteous. Stones and trees and these types of objects, they are in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are not in disobedience to Allah, the objects, stones and trees, etc. So what they used to call upon were righteous. Whereas the people of our time, the Shaykh says, يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ أُنَاسًا مِنْ أَفْسَقِ النَّاسِ Now they call upon people who are in reality the most sinning of the people. They are the worst of the people. They're not even righteous individuals who they go to and their graves and call upon. They are sinners and wrongdoers who they call upon. And these individuals, it is narrated from them that they were upon corruption and wrongdoing, and that they were upon fornication and stealing and abandonment of the prayer and other than that. Those are the types of people they now raise and they go to. And that is known regarding some of the Sufis and their sects. That their imams reach such a level they don't have to pray anymore, they claim. Some of them claim they reach such a level they do not have to pray anymore. So this is the reality of their so-called imams that they call upon in their graves they go to now. People who did not even used to pray or other evil acts that they commit from the fornication and the stealing and other matters that are known from these types of individuals. They go to them now, raising them, calling upon them. So when you look at the two shirk types, and they are both shirk, but looking at their degrees, one of them were calling upon righteous people originally, and those righteous people are innocent of them calling upon them. And the others now are calling upon the worst of the people, not even the righteous, not even the awliya, calling upon the corrupt individuals, the evil individuals who are not upon the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the explanation, the Shaykh, Ali Shaykh, he mentions regarding even the objects, the stones and the trees that the early mushrikun used to call upon, they are considered righteous too. 
They are considered obedient, obedient to Allah. Muti'ah, obedient to Allah. وَإِن مِّن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا يُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِهِ That there is nothing except that it makes the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that includes the generality of the stones and the trees. That they make the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But nowadays in the explanation the shaykh says some of these people who they call upon now, they are ba'aduhum akfar min al-Yahudi wal-Nasara. Some of them may be more disbelieving than the Jews and the Christians who they go to and they are calling upon. كَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ إِمَامَ أَهْلِ وَحْدَةِ الْوُجُودِ ابْنُ عَرَبِي For example, the individual known as Ibn Arabi. And do not mix it up, there are two of them. What's the other one called? Ibn Arabi. This is the easy way to remember. The one who is Ma'rifah. Then he's the good one. Ibn Arabi. The one who's Nakira. He's the bad one. Ibn Arabi. So this one is uh, known for that corruption. Um, and he says here, فَإِنَّ عَلَيْهِ الْآنَ قُبَّةِ فِي الشَّامِ That there is some type of shrine and a dome built upon him uh, in Sham. So then he says, أو ال... نعم. فَوَالَّذِي يَعْتَقِدُ فِي الصَّالِحِ أو الذي لا يعصي مثل الخشب والحجر أهون ممن يعتقد في من يشاهد فسقه وفساده ويشهد به. So the ones who are calling upon the righteous and the obedient, then they are lesser in degree, even though they are still upon shirk and mushrikun. They are lesser in degree than these who are calling upon the evil in the first place. Those who are known to be upon their corruption and their evil. فإنه معلوم in the شرح. أَنَّ مَنْ دَعَى مَعَ اللَّهِ غَيْرَهُ مِنْ أَيِّ شَيْءٍ كَانَ فَهُوَ كَافِرٌ وَصَارِفٌ حَقَّ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لِغَيْرِهِ So you have to remember, we're talking about the different degrees, but anyone who calls upon anyone besides Allah has committed shirk. So even when they were calling upon the righteous, they were still committing shirk. That point again to highlight, وَكَوْنُ ذَلِكَ الْمَصْرُوفِ لِنَبِيٍّ أَوْ غَيْرِهِ and even if who they are calling upon is a prophet, and even if who they are calling upon is a prophet, or other than him from the righteous and obedient, it does not save this person from being uh, upon shirk. It does not save this person from having done shirk. But it's a lesser type a lesser in degree when you examine them to the other one who is committing that same shirk, but upon people who were the corrupt, most corrupt of individuals in the first place. فَإِنَّهُ عَظَّمَ مَنْ لَا يُعَظَّمْ بِوَجْهُ وَهُوَ كَالْمَعَانِدْ Because then these people are calling upon these corrupt individuals who do not deserve to be given any respect in the first place. At least those others at the time of Nuh, they were righteous, pious people and the shaitan took that avenue and caused the people to fall into shirk for their love 
of the actual righteous people who deserved love and respect. These individuals in the first place deserve nothing of love and respect, of uh, dignity and honor and raising and status. They deserve none of it in the first place. So it's as though the shirk they are committing, they are adding another sin on top of it, or another degree on top of it, that they are calling and uh, giving this reverence and status to those who don't even deserve it at all in the first place. At least with them, you can say those righteous people were deserving of respect, but it's that the mushrikun went overboard in what they did, and they exaggerated and committed shirk by calling upon them alongside Allah. فَظَهَرَ بِذَلِكَ صِحَّتْ مَا قَالَهُ الْمُصَنِّفِ So therefore, via these affairs, it now becomes clear that what the author has said is absolutely valid and correct, that the mushrikun of this time are more severe than the mushrikun of the earlier times. One, because the mushrikun of these times call upon their deities even at times of Difficulty and distress. And secondly, because the ones that they actually call upon are not even in the first place deserving of any respect or honor or status. At least they in the earlier times were calling upon the righteous and the obedient. And nevertheless, despite those two points, those earlier ones were upon shirk and the later ones are upon shirk. So perhaps we will stop on that point. The next one is lengthy. The next one is lengthy. So we'll begin with the next one next time, inshallah ta'ala. There are multiple answers that can be given, multiple responses that then begin on the affairs that follow. But that summarizes up to this section. Any questions up to there then? So that issue of takfir, when you speak about a people, then it does not necessitate that you are making takfir of a specific individual. It could possibly be said that a group of people who commit such and such an act are committing shirk. But then a group of Sufis and you see one of them doing a particular act, it does not necessitate instantly that you're going to declare people as kuffar. That this one's a kafir or that one's a kafir. When talking to them and you're explaining to them, you would explain all of these same type of arguments to them, these same type of explanations to those arguments to them, explain the same evidences to them, and highlight to them that these types of actions of yours are resemblant to what they used to do. And how do you believe that your actions right now are not the same as what they used to do? Because when you clarify exactly as the book has done, 
what the mushrikun of the earlier times used to do and the types of actions that they used to do and you show them to this person and you highlight the ayat to him and then you say to him how is it that your actions you think are not exactly the same as that then it does not necessitate it that you are declaring him as a kafir and if they go down that road then it is only as a defense for themselves to stop the discussion you can highlight nobody has declared anybody as a disbeliever or as a kafir but i'm questioning you regarding your beliefs and your aqidah and your methodology and what you do i'm questioning these actions because if you want me to be upon the same methodology as you i need clarification because your actions appear to be exactly the same as what the mushrikun used to do your actions of seeking this intercession appear to be exactly what they used to do so how is it that these actions of yours are not what they used to do then? The discussion has to be opened and explanation has to be given. Those types of things when they say, so are you declaring me a kafir? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? There are lines of discussion that they want to open up to avoid having to get to the bottom of these discussions and explanations and answers. And that's why the scholars, they say, when you're going to explain to somebody, when you're explaining topics to somebody, you don't allow that person to dictate the discussion. You want to explain something to them, you need to be very clear and have an understanding of what there is there to be explained and how you're going to explain it. Otherwise, if you sit with somebody and you're going to try and explain, but he starts bringing up questions and topics and you disappear somewhere, you've left this and you've gone somewhere else. You've gone a mile away from where you wanted to be and what you wanted to explain. You want to explain to somebody, you need to have an understanding of how to do so. How to stick to the lines of thought, how to stick to the lines of explanation, the points and get answers on them, and not to be diverted away, are you saying this and are you saying that? Those types of questions are then taking you away from the stream of thought and taking you away from getting clear-cut explanations from the person you're discussing with. So that takes some understanding how to do it as well. And that's why the scholars, they say, in debating, it's not the way of Ahl Sunnah to go and debate and to get in arguments and discussions. And we've learned that many a time, especially for the one who is incapable, for the one who is incapable of being able to put the arguments forward, the explanations forward. If you're unable, then certainly it is not suitable and correct for a person to be debating or uh, having discussions and trying to have debates with people of deviation. But if there's somebody that you know who's misguided from the commoners, etc., then of course you try and explain these affairs to them. Anything else? I've got a question, but it's not related to fasting. Go on. Um, you know, when they're selling food, is it better to give to the young person or to the elder person? You know, the child, children. Serving food. There are narrations you can go to Kitabul At'imah when you go to the books of uh, Hadith, Sunan Al-Tirmidhi and others, there are chapters regarding the foods and there are also chapters within that or Hadith within that which explain the etiquettes of food, even how you should sit when you eat and the certain types of postures that you should not be in when you eat and which way and how the food should be distributed. So for example, to the right, that is something well known by everybody, 
to begin from the right and in terms of elders and youngsters again it would maybe depend on your particular circumstance who these elders and who these youngsters are perhaps it would require from the respect of that sitting and the dignity of that sitting for those who are there that you begin with the elders rather than the youngsters if it was your own family and your own elders for example or it doesn't matter then give the food to the youngsters you may perhaps have to evaluate what the situation is and who the present attendees are but I don't remember if there's a, a specific sunnah which has to be implemented as it has to be in any circumstance but you can return back to those chapters anything else inshallah we're gonna get to all of those chapters inshallah the intention has been to complete the whole of Bulugh al-Maram for a while now and we've been doing it Bulugh al-Maram in the various locations various marakis etc we've done all of the beginning sections of it Kitab al-Tahara, Kitab al-Salah, Kitab al-Zakah, Kitab al-Sawm, Kitab al-Hajj, finished all of them. And we're going to move on to all of these other kinds of chapters that are rarely taught. The Book of Foods, when has that been taught? Various types of chapters which come at the ends of the books of fiqh are rarely taught. But the intention and the plan is now that we're going to go through all of the chapters uh, to the end. Chapters including hunting at the end. Chapters including the judge and the rulings and the uh, crimes that occur and the punishments and all types of things that come up. Insha'Allah ta'ala, uh, if Allah makes the affair easy and facilitates for us the circumstances, we're going to continue and complete all of those insha'Allah. Anything else then? We'll conclude upon that for today then. Next week is off. Next week, everybody can tune in to the conferences. There are online conferences next weekend. Uh, and there will be lectures to listen to throughout the day. Literally throughout the day. Because I think even the American conference, the brothers in Germantown, is the same weekend, I think. Which means there will be lectures throughout the day. Two different time zones. So day and night, for the next weekend, there will be plenty to listen to. Uh, the conference from Birmingham. Uh, all of it online as well this year, of course, for the winter conference. So next weekend, that, and then the weekend after, inshallah, will resume.